わかったかとかへやちわきえらへいわかったかとかへやちわきえらへいパンペトワシテイシタマゼウィイマキアピティントウィンタハマタハウマハオヤテメア Hello, everyone. I just spoke to you in the Dakota language, and I spoke to you in the Dakota language because that's one of the original languages of Minnesota. And what I said was, my native name is Ishtamazewi, which means Iron Eyes Woman. And I currently live at the Prairie Island Indian Community, one of the 11 reservations in Minnesota. And I'm also a member of the Omaha tribe, enrolled member of the Omaha tribe of Nebraska. And I'm a member of the Meskwaki tribe of Iowa, and I'm also part Dakota. I'm one of the three ICWA compliance consultants in the American Indian Wellbeing Unit within the Department of Human Services, Child Safety and Permanency Division. I'm very excited about this podcast. These first six podcasts focus on six major provisions of the Indian Child Welfare Act, also known as ICWA. And the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act, also known as MIFPA. It is our hope that these six podcast sessions assist in expanding your knowledge of ICWA and MIFPA implementation and practice application, which we hope to result in increased ICWA MIFPA compliance for county and private agencies who work with Indian children and families within the state of Minnesota. Compliance of these laws equals protection for all our Native children and families who reside in Minnesota. Previously, the unit was utilizing webinars called the ICWA Coffee Talks, but we really felt like it was necessary to broaden our network. I also want to mention that during the course of these sessions, you may hear our team referenced as the ICWA Unit and the American Indian Wellbeing Unit. Recently, We changed our name from the ICWA unit to the American Indian Wellbeing Unit, so you may hear the two being used interchangeably. We made this change to encompass the wide range of services our unit provides beyond ICWA. Each podcast will begin with the legal definitions, which can be dry and seem like legal jargon, but please bear with us as the legal language is important and guides the application and practice, which is foundational. Then a team member will go over frequently asked questions, and then we'll end each podcast with a story regarding the provisions, highlighting the importance that impacts ICWA and MIFPA. In the future, we hope to bring forward other podcast series to bring alive personal stories and history of federal state laws along with agreements. We thought it was important to share a Dakota prayer song at the beginning of each series, as you have heard. The Dakota song sums up our beliefs that Creator comes first before anything else and is often sung in the household by women in the morning to start the day. A way of acknowledging our children are sacred and gifts from the Creator. I'd like to also mention I am honored to be on a team with such talented, knowledgeable people. My co workers, which in Native tradition equate to my relatives, Each of them bring their cultural knowledge from their diverse tribal backgrounds. These are things that 
You cannot learn in any college or higher education setting. It must be lived. And they also bring their profound professional knowledge as well. And lastly, I want to say mitakuyase, which is a central part of the Dakota worldview, defining our relationship to each other and the land, meaning we are all related. Thank you. Today I will be talking about the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act notice, otherwise known as the MIFPA notice. The purpose of the MIFPA notice is basically to involve the Indian child's tribe at the earliest point possible when a child comes attention to the child welfare agency. This engagement can establish a really good positive working relationship and collaboration from inception of a case opening that can lead to better outcomes for Indian children and their families. So when is a MIFPA notice required? There are two instances when a MIFPA notice is required by the local social service agency. When an agency has information at the time of a screened in family assessment or investigation that a child may be an Indian child, the agency staff must notify the Indian child's tribe of a screened-in assessment or investigation within 24 hours. And this needs to be done by a phone call and then followed up with a fax or email. Again, that is within 24 hours of receiving that information. So when an agency has information that a child receiving voluntary services... For instance, like children's mental health or maybe PISA, voluntary placements, etc., things like that, the agency must notify the child's tribe within seven days of of starting services. Again, that must be done through a telephone call, and it must be followed up with a fax or email. MIFPA notices are not required for the purpose of an evaluation in determining physical services or financial services. Also, the MIFPA notice is not required to be sent certified or registered mail. Next, I'll be turning this over to my coworker, Summer, who will be going into some of the best practices and frequently asked questions in regards to the MIFPA notice. Thank you. Um, just really quick, a special thank you to my fellow ICWA warrior, Carrie Owen, for sharing that beautiful introduction with us. So welcome, everyone. Uh, we're so happy that you found our podcast series. I am Kimoan Piesuskweu. It means raining thunderbird woman in the Cree language. My English name is Summer Day Rosette, and I am a member of the Chippewa Cree tribe of Rocky Boy, Montana. I'm currently the ICWA training coordinator as well with the American Indian Wellbeing Unit. So as Carrie mentioned, I'm going to review some best practices and FAQs. Before I go into those, I did want to share the purpose of MIFPA notice. I just wanted to add a little bit more to what Carrie shared earlier. So when we talk to talk about the MIFPA notice, we want you to think of it as your initial contact with an Indian child's tribe or tribes if there's multiple. And the purpose of the MIFPA notice is to involve an Indian child's tribe at the earliest point possible when they come to the attention of a child placing agency. So that early engagement, it really can establish a positive working partnership that can continue to grow. And with collaboration from case opening, that can potentially lead to better outcomes for American Indian children and their families. 
So it's so important for child placing agencies and tribes to nurture those relationships. So now that we understand the purpose of MIFPA notice, let's get into some of those best practices and FAQs. So the main question we get at the American Wellbeing Unit is when is a MIFPA notice required? Well, so you've discovered through inquiry that a child may have tribal lineage and they've identified a specific tribe. Now we must make that tribe aware of this case by sending in a MIFPA notice. So there are two instances when a MIFPA notice is required by a child placing agency. First, when an agency has information at the time of a screened in family assessment or family investigation that may involve Indian children, agency staff must notify the Indian child's tribe of that screened in assessment or investigation within 24 hours, first by reaching out to the tribe by telephone, then you follow that up by sending a completed MIFPA notice to the tribe or tribes again if there's multiple by email and or fax. Second instance when a MIFPA notice is required occurs when an agency has information that children receiving voluntary services, whether that be children's mental health, um, parent support outreach, PSOP, uh, voluntary placements, etc. So again, when an agency has information that children are receiving voluntary services, maybe an Indian child, agency staff must notify an Indian child's tribe within seven days of starting services by reaching out to the tribe again by telephone with a follow-up phone call by sending a completed MIFPA notice to the tribe or tribes, if there are multiple, by email and or fax. Timeline of 24 hours or seven days, regardless of which timeline it is, refers to calendar days and not business days, including holidays. So another thing we I wanted to share with you regarding the MIFPA notice is MIFPA notices are not required for an evaluation in determining fiscal services, nor are they required to be sent by certified or registered mail. We do get a lot of questions about whether or not that's a requirement. So I did want to share that really quick. Now that I've shared when a MIFPA notice is required, let's go ahead and go over who should receive a MIFPA notice. MIFPA notice should be sent to all known tribal affiliations and lineage identified through inquiry of the reporter, the family, or other appropriate persons. So notice must be sent to any identified federally recognized tribe regardless of being out of state or within the state of Minnesota. MIFPA notice is not sent to parents or um, Indian custodians, and this notice is not required to be sent to the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So at this point, I've shared when a MIFPA notice is required and who should receive a MIFPA notice. Now I'd just like to pivot a bit and go over some FAQs regarding what happens when a case closes and reopens or if a case changes from involuntary to voluntary. So first I'll share the question and then I'll move into our response. So the question, the first question, does an additional MIFPA notice need to be provided if a case closes and reopens or changes from involuntary to voluntary? So we do receive this question quite a bit um, at the American Indian Wellbeing Unit. And so when we think of this question, the first thing we want to share with you is that yes, each time services stop and or a case is closed for a period of time greater than seven days and then reopens, a MIFPA notice must be required. 
So you must provide a MIFPA notice, even though that case may have closed and your agency is aware of uh, tribal lineage, a MIFPA notice must go out. If ongoing case management occurred and another report is received, MIFPA notice is not required. However, you know, the, the children's tribe or tribes, if there's multiple through the Child Placing Agency's active efforts, should communicate newly received reports through that ongoing communication and case management. So if a, if a case track changes from involuntary to voluntary or vice versa and services continue, MIFPA notification to the tribe should be provided of the change in track. Next question that we get as an FAQ here, are there additional documents that must be sent with the MIFPA notice? And again, this answer is yes. MIFPA does require that a genogram be sent with the notice. Genograms should be completed with the most recent information available and updated as often as necessary. It can also be used to assist with relative placement should that become necessary. Well, that's all of it, the information that I have for you today. I'm going to turn it over to my coworker, Richie Smith. And Richie's going to go over and share a story with you related to MIFPA notice. And I'm sure it's going to be something that is relatable for everyone. So thank you very much for listening to my portion. We're so excited that you found our podcast. And we look forward to you joining our future podcasts. Thank you. Anin, hello. My name is Richie. I'm with DHS. I'm an ICWA compliance consultant. I've been with DHS for five years now. I'm going to have to tell you a story about MIFPA notice. We had a case where a county had inquired with a family and they only gave information um, saying they were Alaska Native. And if you know about the Alaska, up in Alaska, there's like 231 tribes up in Alaska. So with some due diligence, they asked more information, luckily, because 231 tribes, that's a lot to send out a MIFPA notice to. So they found a little bit more information and at least down to down, this too is still 100 tribes. They still didn't have all the information, but they were to, to dwindle it down to 100 tribes to send out MIFPA notice. They sent out those 100 uh, MIFPA notices out to the tribes and they didn't get one response back from a tribe. The tribe said, this is not our child, but we know what uh, tribe this child belongs to. And so they gave the information to that county. And so in turn, with active efforts and due diligence, ICWA and MIFPA, that child is protected under those laws because the county went to that extent of sending out 100 MIFPA notices to those tribes trying to find that connection to that child. So that's just showing you that it's worth it because sometimes you just don't know. You can't just say, oh, there's 231 tribes. I'm not going to send them out. You have to send out the information and you do get information back. So that's why I'm saying that I always send out the MIFPA notice, gather as much information as you can, and then hopefully you get a response. So I just want to say it was a, it was a nice ending to that story and we switched to that county. This podcast was supported in part by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Human Services, Children and Family Services Division.